The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. This is Wacky Wednesday. I am your host, Adam Best. I am here, as always, with my guy, Sterling Holmes. The intro song for this week was That's Entertainment by The Jam. And I picked that for obvious reasons. That was a wildly entertaining game. I think Chiefs fans, we've been waiting for two years now to blow off some steam and exact some revenge on Tampa Bay. It was a great game, a lot of fun to watch, uh, and I'm glad to be here with you guys on a, on a Wednesday, on a hump day. So, Sterling, how you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, how could I be doing bad? The Chiefs are 3-1 and one through four games. I'm looking like the green shirt laughing guy meme by accident, and I'm doing a, a podcast talking Chiefs with you, so I'm doing fantastic. We got the stash versus the beard. You know, you got a fade looking looking good. I just, I'm always team stash. Come on now. I, I, I am 80s Ooh. cop, Magnum PI stash. That is me. I'm team beard. I look like uh, someone you'd want to hide your kids from with a mustache. I don't know what it is. The beard works. Clean shaved works. Stubble works. But something about me and a mustache. Uh-uh. So, um Let's get into this. Yeah. Let's get into let's, it. And before we do, do shout out to KC Beer Company, sponsor of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. If you want something that is absolutely delicious, the best beer you will ever have, drink KC Beer Company. The Fest beer is out now. Their specialty winter bock, their special beer. They do a different one each season, but the winter bock is absolutely incredible. Last year, it was the Baltic Porter. If you live in the Kansas City area, go check out the beer hall. Uh, the best brats. They have potato salad, German potato salad. So if you like potato salad, legit way. We're not talking the mayonnaise gross potato salad. We're talking legitimate vinegar-based potato salad. This is the spot for you. But Casey Beer Company, if you see those red cartons, pick some up, grab some. Every time you guys take a picture and tag us in it, it means the world to us. We always appreciate when you guys do that. But just try Casey Beer Co. I promise you will love it. Ready to get into some awards? Let's do some awards. Let's do it, baby. The first award for week four is the Revenge is a Dish Best Served Cold Award. Do you know the Klingon proverb that tells us revenge is a dish that is best served cold? That is a classic quote from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. The Chiefs took a beat down the last time they went down to Tampa for Super Bowl 55. But this time they looked hellbent on not suffering the same fate. For me, nothing will replace the loss in the Super Bowl. Beating Tampa 
Beating Tampa week four doesn't do it justice. But I think the players came out and said, we're not losing again. If you want to know the player I thought that really stood out from the loss compared to this week four win. Travis. Andrew Wiley. Oh, okay. Andrew Wiley got his ass kicked in the Super Bowl. What did he do week four? Absolutely dominated. Shaq Barrett, who? I mean, Wiley looked pissed off. He won 96% of his pass block win rate. Uh, He won 84.8% of his run block win rate. I mean, Andrew Wiley was night and day difference. The offensive line, obviously, night and day difference. But I have to give a quick shout-out to Andrew Wiley because that turnaround from Super Bowl to now, holy bleep, wow. Well, he was one of the guys who was the most embarrassed. Sure, we talk about Andy Reid and Spags and Mahomes and Kelsey – Uh, That game sticking with them. They all had to watch the tape this week, I imagine. But no player was as embarrassed, probably, as Andrew Wiley. And you're right. Shaq Barrett, I think he had one rush against Orlando Brown where he won. But other than that, it was a fairly quiet night after he he talked a lot of smack. We will get to that. Um, Yeah, and, and Mahomes looked more determined and unstoppable than ever as evidenced by not one, but two Harlem Globetrotters plays where he lobbed improbable little bloopers to Juju. And then the CEH one, he had the, the kind of spin move. I don't know if that was Tony Parker or Chris Paul, but I've never seen some shit like that on a football field before. It was, uh, you know, hanging in the loop, right? <laughs> it was just so unique, man. I mean, no one else can make that play like Mahomes. I mean, They got pressure on him. They had a free blitzer on Mahomes. What did he do? Made him miss. Gets his ankle bent sideways as he's throwing it like the the Don Tari Poe, right? The Don Tari Poe hungry pig. Throws it right to Clyde. I I mean, a few players can make that free rusher miss. I think Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, uh, maybe Josh Allen. But no one keeps their eyes downfield to make that play. Lamar Jackson is trying to run that in. Daniel Jones maybe makes a guy miss, and then he throws an interception. If it's the fourth quarter, Justin Herbert throws a pick six. But Mahomes has the wherewithal to keep his eyes upfield, still allowing the play to develop, not panicking. Makes that play. I mean, holy bleep. You're you're, you're right. That is a Globetrotters-esque play right there. Hey! One more thing before we move on. You're right. There was zero panic. And the way the game slows down for Patrick Mahomes, I don't think it slows down for even the other great quarterbacks, maybe a few of them, but it really just slows down and – I think you can take the explosive plays away from Patrick Mahomes in this offense. The one thing you can't take away from him is the improbable plays and those improbable plays where he pulls a rabbit out of a hat and gets an unlikely or impossible 10 or 20 yard completion that can be just as backbreaking as a 50 yard bomb. And you cannot take that away from him, especially when he has more than two weapons. Let's get into award number two. The Totally Redeem Yourself Award. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. 
and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies. It's Gotta so lie. good. Hey, pull over. Uh, it's a cardigan. Thanks for noticing. I mean, Dumb and Dumber is just such a great movie. Big gulps, eh? Well, see you later. <laughs> this award goes to Dave Tobe and the Chiefs special teams unit. What a turnaround from the Colts debacle disaster to this? You come around and totally redeem yourself? Matthew Wright? Mr. Wright? Not Amendola, who, by the way, how the hell did the Arizona Cardinals pick him up? How did that guy get another opportunity after what he did for the Chiefs? But my goodness, Matthew Wright, uh, Tommy Townsend, give a shout out to him. Some of those long snaps on the on the on the extra points. Chris Lamonts, Chris Lamonts, baby. Chris Lamonts, big play, first play of the game. Elijah Lee, right? Elijah Lee made some plays. Sure. Um, Sky Moore didn't fumble. There's some positives. I mean, all in all, it was a massive turnaround. Something. We kind of expected, but not to this extent and not in just one week. It was really out of character for the Chiefs to be that poor on special teams. Dave Tobe is one of the best special teams coaches in the league. The Chiefs kind of hang their hat on being one of the better teams in, in that you know, side of the, the game. And I don't know if you saw it, but when Chris Lamonts knocked out that fumble that the Chiefs recovered, if you read Todd Bowles' lips – he said, fuck me. You know, if this was a video game, I think he just would have hit the reset button. It looked like he was done. He knew it was done. He's like, this is going to be a long night, that kind of thing. And it's crazy how special teams one week cost you the game. And then the next week really hands you the game on the, on a silver platter, right? When it kicks off. I think it was impactful too. We saw sky Moore. After the fumbles, Andy Reid did not turn and shy away from continuously using him. And I think that we're going to see that pay off. We saw it a little bit in this game, but as the season progresses, Sky Moore, if they trust him, if they've seen the big playability in OTAs, training camp, preseason games, right? They, they're around Sky Moore more than we are, surprisingly. But if they think he can be that game changer in the return game, not shying away from using him is big. Not only that, we've seen it before. McCall Hardman, early on, he dropped a few balls. He had some miscues where are going, why the hell is McCall Hardman back there? He ended up winning a Pro Bowl as a returner. He had some great moments as a returner. I think sticking with and having belief in a guy that you truly can be a – or can truly make a difference in the return game, if that's how they feel about Sky Moore, that confidence will pay off. And the Chiefs have that kind of sideline and locker room. If you recall, I think it was – the first time the Chiefs played the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs in the AFC championship and McCall Hardman had a very similar fumble inside the 10 yard line to what Sky Moore had. And if you remember, he had, I think that coat or hoodie over himself. And I think Kelsey and a few of the other guys picked him up. And I heard that they did the same thing with Sky Moore and you got to stick with these young guys because if they get in their head, they may never get back on track. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? 
Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's get into award number three, the I Wasn't Really Familiar With Your Game Award. Christian, this track, I owe you an apology. I wasn't really familiar with your game and, you know, how oh, you travel. Oh, man, you're a casual. Shaq <laughs> Barrett is a casual, man. Dude, I don't remember the end of that. I always I always know the Shaq, I, I, I'm no, I wasn't really familiar with your game. I didn't hear Christian Wood go, oh, man, you're a casual. <laughs> Just owning Shaq, that took some balls. Uh, Shaq uh, so, to Shaq crime, huh? Yeah, Shaq to Shaq, Shaq on Shaq crime. So when asked about the Chiefs' new offensive line versus the, the thin unit from the Super Bowl, Shaq Barrett said, I really don't think it's too much of a difference. Oops. And Orlando Brown went on to call it bulletin board material. And it was. The interior offensive line was dominant. My favorite play was when Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey double team Vita Vea into oblivion on the goal line. Just a thing of beauty. Uh, the offensive line really sent a message to the league against one of the best defenses and defensive lines in all of the NFL. I told you the Andrew Wiley stat earlier. The one from Adam Teicher and Creed Humphrey was he won 100% of his pass rush snaps. Didn't lose a single pass rush snap. That is absurd. The Buccaneers have a very good front four. Front seven, basically, right? They have a good defense. This offensive line, not only are they completely different, they heard Shaq Barrett, they were pissed, and they imposed their will on the Buccaneers. Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Andrew Wiley, Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown Jr. had his best game of the season. I mean, say what you will about Orlando Brown Jr., he struggled so far through three weeks. He had a good week four. If he plays like that going forward, you can live with that. This offensive line was one cohesive unit, and they showed why they can be this dominant. I just don't understand why he said that. He, I mean, everyone on that Bucks roster had to know that the Chiefs had more than ample motivation heading into that game. 
So why provide them with more, especially when your team is struggling a bit? I just don't, I just don't get it. Tom Brady, you got to keep your house in line, dude. Should we move on? Let's go. Okay. We're going to do this one a little different. It's a quote. It's the straight tabloid award. And it goes to the Kansas city star for publishing a letter to the editor about Patrick Mahomes labeling him as selfish as vain without a shred of, of evidence or interesting data. It was just com- a completely useless article letter, letter that should have never been published. So here's a Faye Dunaway quote from the prophetic 1976 classic network that about sums this up. I watched your six o'clock news today. It's straight tabloid. You had a minute and a half of that lady riding a bike naked in Central Park. On the other hand, you had less than a minute of hard national and international news. It was all sex, scandal, brutal crime, crime, sports, children with incurable diseases, and lost puppies. So I don't think I'll listen to any protestations of high standards of journalism when you're right down on the streets soliciting audiences like the rest of us. Look, all I'm saying is if you're going to hustle, at least do it right. You know, if you're going to go for clicks, for eyeballs, uh, just if you're going to go traffic whoring, at least serve up something that isn't completely useless. That was just uh, a a travesty, a sham, a mockery, a travasham mockery for anybody who remembers that commercial. Uh, I just can't believe they, they did that. But, you know, all the folks at the Kansas City Star... Here I am asking you to do it again for week five because it, it obviously lit a fire under one Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we should be thanking the KC Star for publishing that bogus article. We should be thanking that random dude in Illinois who for some reason is, is angry at Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, let, let, let's start making fake ones and say it's coming out of, uh, out of Las Vegas. Let's say this is Al Davis coming out here with a bad haircut, ripping on Mahomes. Let's say it's, I don't know, Derek Carr's older brother, who for some reason has his fascination with just pumping up the Raiders more than any other team without any ounce of credibility. That's what we need. Just say this is uh, David Carr. Say David Carr again. Just keep posting those David Carr quotes. It's got to work. Now, not to drift too far into tinfoil hat land, but was this a real thing? I mean, this... I can't believe it. I can't believe how worthless it was. I think someone found out who the guy was. They looked it up. They saw the Facebook post of this dude. And I'm just sitting here going, Oh God, why? Why? Okay. Yeah. I hope he's still alive. I hope he's okay. Oh, he's fine. The chiefs won. Who cares? Good for him. You, you never want hey. to Steve, Steve Bartman yourself, right? Hey, you dude, don't want to he, do that. He, he's the guy who has to deal with Patrick Mahomes winning not us. I'm fine with it. Any guys who are like that, who are so upset about other, who write letters about how much another guy sucks, you got to think, man, that's a life. A little sad. I'm glad it's not me. Even, even with me, if I don't like a dude, I'm not going to write a letter to the article saying, Derek Carr's a bum. Here's why. I'm not doing that. That's lame. Come on. Let Derek Carr live. Let Patrick Mahomes live. And how many emails, how big of a stack of emails did they have? 
and still decide to go with that one. Just insane. Anyway, we're moving on to it's usually hater of the week, but this time slip in an E and it's heater of the week. You know, there are so many people in the media who take shots at the Chiefs because it's good for business. So I thought it'd be a nice change of pace to look at a number of people who actually said some insightful, dare I say, nice things about the Chiefs this week. The first is ESPN's Marcus Spears. And he said this, when it comes to playing quarterback, we got to stop doing Mahomes like we do LeBron James. We keep trying to find someone who's better. We want to anoint somebody. But, te- but Pat Mahomes is that dude, bro. I love that, man. That's just a great quote, and I think it's something we need to recognize. I've said it for a long time. I'm not going to get caught up in this Josh Allen, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady debate because you spend your this whole time arguing, and you don't realize – they're all fantastic in their own individual way. Yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback, the best player in the NFL. But I'm not going to let detractors sully my enjoyment of what Patrick Mahomes does. I don't want someone to say, oh, yeah, well, Aaron Rodgers makes that throw. You know, I'll say, congratulations. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but I don't care because Patrick Mahomes just did. It's the same situation. People say, well, the Chiefs drafted Deshaun Watson. They would have won a Super Bowl with him. I go, you know, you know what though? You know what I know for a fact? They did win one with Mahomes. I, I just feel like you always try to discredit and find the next best thing. It happened with LeBron James, happened with Kobe Bryant, happened with Michael Jordan. Oh Everyone my God, with always- Michael Jordan, I remember the next Jordan. They called Harold Miner. I'm dating myself here, but Harold Miner was baby Jordan. The next Jordan, the next Jordan was a th- became a parody of itself. Clyde now, Drexler. Clyde Drexler could ball, though, man. Yeah, he was great. He was outstanding. Listen, Jordan. You know, I, I feel for guys like Clyde Drexler because Chris Jones is kind of like this. If you come along at a different time where there's not a superhuman playing your position, you would be number one. But unfortunately, you were a shooting guard in the era of Michael Jordan. You were a defensive tackle in the era of Aaron Donald. It's just not fair. It's got to kind of suck. Yeah. No, I just think that this is a very good point, and I just want to keep reiterating it. Enjoy Mahomes. Don't let detractors sully your enjoyment. Don't always compare him to what Tom Brady has done. Don't do the Super Bowl numbers. Just enjoy Patrick Mahomes for what he is, a freaking unicorn. And if the other guys aren't quite Mahomes – we can still enjoy them too. We don't have to put them down. You know, we don't have to tear Mahomes down. We don't, we don't have to tear them down. We can just enjoy all of them. I happen to think we have the best quarterback. We have the best team, but it doesn't, we can talk about these guys without having to compare them every single time. It just gets so tired. But during the same segment, Dan Orlovsky said the game slows down for Mahomes. And, and I talked about this earlier in a way it does not for others. He added that Mahomes does not fear mistakes and always believes there is an impossible play to be made. And I, th- I think it's a really good point. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a guy who never says die. Same situation that we talked about with the little jump pass to Clyde. 
most quarterbacks, once they see that free, you know, the free rusher, they're either taking the sack or the second they make him miss, they're thrown out of bounds. He keeps his eyes downfield and makes a play. 13 seconds. That's all you have to say is 13 seconds. He believed. It was the reason why the enemy, Mahomes, you saw him arguing at the end of the half against the Colts. Now, logic tells you there's no play to be made there, right? Nothing's going to happen. But he, in the back of his mind, thinks, there's time on the clock. I am going to try and make a play. You love that mindset from Patrick Mahomes. Not every quarterback, not every player has that. Did you hear the interview he did? I don't know if it was today or yesterday with Dan Patrick. Where Mm. Dan Patrick asked him, did you ever think of going out of bounds? Did you ever think of throwing the ball away? And he straight up said no. He just said no. He said, I saw Devin White coming at me. I wasn't thinking about running out of bounds. So I spun and made a miss. And I had the time and the wherewithal to see Clyde there. And I just bloop, got it up. And it's, it's just amazing that he can calculate and process all that and see all of that in a split second. I mean, Devin White is a human torpedo. To have that guy flying at you and, and, and still be thinking about, I mean, I'd be shitting my pants, but this guy's thinking about, can I, you know, who's open? He, he even saw Allegretti and thought, mm, you know, that's, that's a stretch. But uh, it's nice to hear um, people like Orlovsky be so positive, be so honest. And he reminded fans not to get bored with a once in a lifetime talent. Yeah. The next one I know is a tweet from Robert Griffin, the third, uh, the chiefs, the chiefs miss the explosiveness of Tyree kill, but are harder to defend right now. They make you cover every blade of grass. One touchdown drive against the bucks saw seven different skill players touch the ball. O-line play has them dedicated to the run. This is very sustainable. And I think that's what it comes down to is, this is sustainable. What they did against the Buccaneers is not an outlier. They're sustainable because they're able to run the football. They can spread the ball out. They can beat you in a plethora of different ways. And if the offensive line stays giving Mahomes in this run game holes in time, that's the most sustainable aspect. It always comes down to the offensive line, the trenches in most games. There's a reason why the Rams have taken such a huge step back. There's a reason why the Buccaneers have taken such a huge step back. There's a reason why the Chiefs look so good in this game. The offensive line gave the run game holes. They gave Patrick time. And that's why I think this is so sustainable. And if you want to talk about sustainability, look back at the Bengals from last year. Their offense, T. Higgins was part of it too. Joe Mixon is a good player, but – the central part of their offense was Joe Burrow going, fuck it. Jamar Chase is down there somewhere. And they hit on explosive plays at an outrageous clip. And of course, that's come back to earth this year because the blocking isn't there and you can't play that way forever. Not even the Chiefs could play that way forever with Tyreek Hill. Teams figured out a way to take it away, right? But what they're doing now when they have three, possibly four, pretty good tight ends, one great one. They've got five receivers. They've got three running backs and a fullback. 
and I'm not even including Ronald Jones. There are so many possibilities, so many packages that they can throw at you that I think there are just sort of infinite possibilities and it keeps defenses on their heels and guessing. And it's the way they're multiple. It is very sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And it comes down to the reversion to the mean for a lot of different teams. I see angry drunken German in here going the Bengals reversion to the mean. There was a reason why I picked the Ravens to win that division this year. It's not sustainable. You can't have that many things go right. It's why I think the Chiefs defense is sustainable. They've not forced many turnovers and they're this good. Their turnovers eventually will come. That's why I think the Chiefs defense, for example, shows stability. It's why the Chiefs offense shows stability. The offensive line, I don't think, will play that great every single game. But that probably their peak. And they're not going to be that far off as the season goes on. I think we've seen their worst against the Colts. Now we've seen their best against the Buccaneers. We'll find a happy medium. I want to go next to the Hot Take Kingdom. One of my favorite segments each week. Basically what it is, Adam comes up with a hot take. I either agree or disagree. We'll have a poll. Either you agree or disagree. If you want to go into the kingdom or say, you know what, Adam? Piss off. You're wrong. Uh, So far, I think we're one in two, right? I agree with you one time. Disagreed twice. Correct. Last week was the first time. Yeah. All right. What do you got this week? This week is... Legereus Sneed is the most important player on the Chiefs defense. Most important, not the best. Important distinction there. And while not quite as good, he offers similar versatility to Derwin James of the Chargers. Let me break it down for you. PFF, I know that's kind of a dirty word around here because pro football focus struggles a little bit to grade the quarterback position with the advent of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and all of them, but they do a good job, particularly on grading defense, in my opinion. And Sneed is their fifth best corner sandwiched in between Jalen Ramsey and former chief Charvarius Ward. He's got a good coverage grade, but an elite run defense grade. He's great coming up and stopping the run physical tackler and the top pass rushing grade. His pass rushing grade is better than even Derwin's. And Derwin, that's kind of what he's known for, being this really versatile safety, but he's great in the box. Uh, This week, Reed calls Snead a little bit of corner, safety, and linebacker, and I think that fits. He's their Swiss Army knife. He led the Chiefs in tackles against the Bucs. He did that, I think, the first week. He was once again everywhere. His strip sack of Brady was a pivotal moment. And in my opinion, he's elevated defensive back blitzing to an art form. And I don't know if there's a better defensive back corner or safety when it comes to pressuring the quarterback. He's a closer there. Coffee's for closers. He gets the coffee. Uh, And with teams using big receivers, here's another point in the slot, more like Cooper cup, CD lamb, and even our own juju to beat like the too high stuff, right? The shell coverages. You need someone physical in that area. That's why Jalen Ramsey plays in the slot more than you'd assume. He's big, he's physical, he can tackle. And uh, I think another thing that is often overlooked, his responsibilities moving around in the slot in the middle of the field 
it often shrinks the amount of space our inexperienced outside corners have to defend. These guys aren't very experienced, right? I was worried about the Chiefs losing the Honey Badger. He was a very versatile chess piece. If you think back to the Buffalo Bills game when he got hurt, the Chiefs and Spags could not disguise what they were doing as much. They could not confuse Josh Allen without that versatile chess piece to move around. I think Sneed has helped fill a lot of that void. And then my last, my last point, he gets bonus points for acting like he was having issues with his helmet right before he made the sack on Brady. Confusing Tom Brady is not easy to do. And, you know, he's a thinker who goes the extra mile. So that's the case for LeJarius Sneed. Sterling, are you coming aboard or are you staying away from, from Hot Take Kingdom? Before I say anything, you said coffee is for closers. ABC. That's always right. be closing. And the C stands for Chris Jones. I want to go with Legeria Sneed. I went back and forth the other day with uh, Josh Briscoe, actually. We, we were debating who, who's more important, who, who's the best player, the most impactful player in the Chiefs defense. It was Legeria Sneed. A slight case for Nick Bolton, but eventually said, no, a middle linebacker. We don't know if we make the case for him. And then it was Chris Jones. And I originally was thinking Legereus Sneed for the reasons you did, for the reasons you just laid out. The reason I think I have to go with Chris Jones is this defensive line would be a disaster without Chris Jones. Chris Jones gets knocked so often, and myself included, have, have been uh, fairly harsh on him for the lack of consistency, the lack of sack numbers, Right. You look at the 15 and a half sacks he had uh, in 20, I believe it was 2018, right? After that, right. it was about nine, then seven and a half, then nine. The, the reason he had 15 and a half was because he was playing with Justin Houston. He, he had uh, – Alan Bailey got six sacks that same season. Um, who, who else was there on that, on that roster that also – someone else had about 15 sacks that season as well. And so you're sitting here going, he had help. The next previous seasons, it was just him. So Karloftis should help Chris Jones, but when you look at Chris Jones and what he does, he gets so much pressure up the middle. If Aaron Donald was not around, we'd have the conversation that Chris Jones is the best interior defense lineman in the NFL. If you want to look at uh, pass rush win rate this season, he is number one above Aaron Donald. What did he do against the Buccaneers? It was a coin flip if he was going to win or lose that rep. 50%. That is unheard of. That is asinine. Every other time, basically, he was winning against his man and getting pressure on Tom Brady, at least disrupting the play. So I have to give it to Chris Jones. If Frank Clark had lived up to the, the contract, then maybe it would be luxurious need for, what all, for everything he does. But Chris Jones, without him, the Chiefs' defense, especially that defensive line, would be a disaster. I agree with you. Chris Jones is a force multiplier. He, it's unreal for a man of his size. What is he, 6'6", 310, something like that? His get-off and his ability to – his swim moves, those Michael Phelpsian swim moves are just, just beautiful. But schematically and st- strategically – in order to confuse opposing offensive coordinators, to confuse quarterbacks pre-snap, 
to keep them guessing. I think Legereus Sneed is the most important piece. I did not say better. Let me go. I did with not this. say more let, talented. Let, let me say this for you: with a fully healthy team, because right now McDuffie's out, so that obviously is going to make this situation scenario a little different. Fully healthy team. Mm-hmm. Take away Chris Jones. What happens to that D line? You're starting Derek Nottie and Colin Saunders. You take with a Jerry Sneed. Hey, what about Jerk Wharton is top 10 in, in defensive sure. tackle win but, rate right now? But, but come on now. Come on now. I, I think Turk Wharton is, is a fine player. He's not shown the ability to keep this up for a full season yet. I like Turk Wharton, but saying, oh, yeah, we're rolling out Turk Wharton, Colin Saunders, and Derek Nottie. That's our interior defensive line with a rookie in George Columbus, who I like. And then Mike Dana, it went healthy on the other side, and Frank Clark and Dunlap. Come on now. Chris Jones is far and away the best player in that group. Now go to the secondary. Legere Sneed is amazing. But if you have McDuffie, if you have uh, Rashad Fitton, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, no Legere Sneed, it, it's a huge downgrade. Joshua Williams has done nothing yet. By the he hasn't got an opportunity yet. Not a hasn't thing. got the opportunity yet. I agree. But my, point, my, my point is you take away Legere Sneed in that scenario, it takes a big loss, but I don't know if it's debilitating. You take away Chris Jones from that D-line, it's debilitating. That's the way I'm looking at this. Well, when we lost the Honey Badger in the playoffs, that was debilitating because it no longer allowed the Chiefs defense schematically to uh, be so versatile and keep Josh Allen and their offensive coaching staff confused. Mm. I think that there's a clear line in the sand if you go back and watch that game between the Chiefs doing a somewhat decent job defensively and just getting absolutely ripped by Josh Allen and Gabe Davis. So now, if Legereus Sneed, and I, I know Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill also do some of that and have some versatility to themselves. Brian Cook. Brian Cook. We'll see. I would but- say that Sneed is, when you talk about the trio of pass rushing, pass coverage, and run stopping, he's the guy in the secondary that can do it all with no holes. And if you don't have him, all of a sudden, you, you know, you just have a bunch of young guys who aren't nearly as versatile or as proven, especially in that cornerback room. So that, that's my case. I think it's about 1A, 1B, but I have to give the nod to Chris Jones. Sorry, Adam. I'm not hopping on board. No. Well, it's called Hot Take Kingdom. I can't, you know, I have to really push the hot takes. If it's, if it's conventional wisdom, it does not fly for this segment. So Hot Take Kingdom. Uh, we're going to go with Mike Dana is the most impactful player. <laughs> no. That's scorching hot take, Kingdom. Malik Heron going to be an all-pro next season. Here we go. Jody Fortson, first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay, that might happen based on the catching, uh, the touchdown numbers. The touchdown per reception numbers are going to be the highest in NFL history. I mean, who's going to stop him? Uh, I like it, though. I appreciate you going on a limb there. That was a good one. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorite Chiefs, so I got I don't know what it is. Mine, too. I love it, Jerry. Uh, uh, Javarius Ward might have been my all-time favorite defensive Chiefs player. I don't know why. It was the one guy I pointed out when he first got traded to Kansas City. I go, this guy's going to be a stud. I'm hitching my wagon to Javarius Ward, and it happened. And if you watched the, the Niners game, 
uh, he was just playing some outstanding defense the entire time against uh, Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson didn't matter. He was just – he was that guy. I still think Javarius Ward is the most underrated defensive player in the NFL currently, but I he needs more love in Chiefs Kingdom still. He was that good. He had a hilarious interception against the Seattle Seahawks. So this is the worst trick play I've ever seen in my life. Not to get on too much of a tangent, but Pete Carroll loves his running backs. He comes out with the full house formation. I think – I don't remember if it was Travis Homer or DJ Dallas playing Wildcat, but then he was flanked on each side with uh, Ken Walker and Rashad Penny. Penny. Yeah. And then they roll out and he throws the worst pass. I have an absolute duck that traveled like five yards. I don't know how they thought this was going to, going to work. Did they even practice it? And Charvarius Ward plucked it. Uh, but since we picked on the Kansas City star a little bit uh, earlier in the show, and I think that was justified, they wrote a piece on Charvarius Ward and his really touching backstory, all the hardships he persevered through. And that, that created a soft spot in my heart for Charvarius Ward. I'm really rooting for him. I, I understand both sides of this equation, he had to get the bag. The Chiefs couldn't afford to pay it. And when when you're as good as Brett Veach is at finding cornerbacks at a discount, why are you gonna why are you gonna shell out the big bucks? So yeah. much love to him though. Let's get into the analytics addict where we take an analytical viewpoint at something from this week. What do you have for us here? We're gonna look at the running back position again. And I think. It's a real roller coaster, right? Oh, here comes my dog. Oh, what's your dog's name? Karma. Karma? She's, yeah, Karma. She's, she's good karma. Actually, the first year of her life, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Oh, there you go. Come on. So, so anyway, 189 total yards rushing is the most Todd Bowles has ever allowed during his entire stint in Tampa Bay. So... Just absolute hats off to the backfield, to the offensive line. And if you look at the week before, the previous week, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, those of us who play fantasy football know how formidable those guys are. They could only muster 68 yards. But C.E.H. and Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco, combined for 155 yards. Uh, Just... I didn't think that was possible. Did, going into the game, I, it was my belief that if the Chiefs were going to win this game, it was going to be solely based on the arm of Patrick Mahomes. I didn't think they'd establish the run. I definitely didn't think they'd truck the box like this. What did you think? Yeah, it wasn't just that the offensive line had their best performance opening up holes. I always think that's the, the best indicator for how a running back is going to perform because if you're getting hit behind a lot of scrimmage, you have no shot. But they were still going with yards over expected. They were still – the one that always points out to me here is the Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the goal line, the one-yard line, and he kept his legs moving to fall forward. I think it was against David, right? Or was it against Devin White? Um, One of those two linebackers, he just kept his legs moving and then fell in for a touchdown. And I'm thinking we would not have seen that in previous years from Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think the – addition of Isaiah Pacheco and how he runs it's a 
healthy medium. It's a healthy competition. I think they're good for each other. I, I really liked the the balance, the how they split carries, and now they're starting to use them to get into a rhythm. It's not just, all right, Jared McKinnon here, you get a couple plays here. Here's a couple snaps for Pacheco. Here's a couple for Clyde. They're starting to find a good way to use them, the best case scenario, and putting it putting them in positions to succeed. Yeah, they've really found a groove. And part of that is because of the smart utilization of CEH. They're not expecting to be a bell cow. He's clearly not that. He has a 44% snap rate. And and I think that's caused not only his efficiency to spike, it's kept him healthy. I would also say, yeah, go ahead. From Football Outsiders, CEH has a 63% rushing success rate. That's second in the league. He has a 92% receiving rate, which is second among running backs. He's up there with uh, Austin Eckler. So very good. And his targets are up from last year, 2.3 to 3.5. That's why we brought him here, right? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, this is why I'm still team Clyde over Pacheco. The ability of his... um, his receipt, like how he performs, I should say, in the past game is why I think CEH has more value than Pacheco. I like the way Pacheco runs, but for me, currently right now, he is a first and second down back almost exclusively, while Clyde is a three down. You can use him in a multitude of ways, and the defense does not know what to expect. Pacheco, if you look at the snap counts, not getting a ton of snap counts, but when he was in the game, he was running the ball, right? So when he comes in, you know what the Chiefs are doing. Now, that can occasionally set up some good play-action plays, which is also promising down uh, for later on in the season. But with Clyde, there's just so many different ways you can go about it. The one play that stands out, and we're all upset by it, was that fourth down play. It hit him in the hands. A little bit of an overthrow, right? Just a tiny bit, because Clyde's not a big dude. But but besides that, he's been a, a menace, like you mentioned, in the receiving game. Uh, he's so versatile, the vision is improving. The contact balance is improving with his health, right? And they're using him the way he was supposed to be used when the Chiefs drafted him. Yeah, and they're using him wisely around the goal line, right? He's not a guy you want to run into a brick wall. But what they are doing with him down there is getting creative and using him as a receiver. And his three receiving TDs inside the five-yard line are already more than any running back had in 2021 or 2020. That's from number fire. Pretty incredible stat. Now, obviously, that's going to regress a little bit, but Andy Reid is always ahead of the curve. I think he's figured out the exact amount of snaps, the correct utilization. Now, with Isaiah Pacheco, I'd like to see a little bit more pass pro, him occasionally getting a reception, just to keep the defense guessing. You know, we don't want, we talked last week about how Ronald Jones probably isn't playing because he's a poker tell. You put him in and you know the Chiefs are running. I don't think that's true with Isaiah Pacheco. They put on tape in the preseason that he can, he can catch the ball. He can get out of the backfield. He can block, but you're right. Right now he goes in the game and they're, they're handing them the ball. 
Yeah. I, I would like to see some play action soon with him because you're going to see some deep bombs to MVS. Uh, the other point I would like to make before we, we, we go on here, the offensive line is seventh in a rushing EPA behind teams like the Browns, the Eagles. Uh, this offensive line, while revamped, is still first and foremost there to protect Patrick. So right. them being seventh in rushing EPA just showcases the development of guys like of, of Creed Humphrey, of Joe Tooney. It, it also helps because this is where Orlando Brown Jr. should excel is in, is in you know, rush blocking, not necessarily pass pro. That, mm. that was Eric Fisher's is the opposite. I, I always consider Eric Fisher and, Oda, and uh, Orlando Brown Jr. being the same overall. But they excel, and they're so different in every other aspect, right? Their Madden number is the same, but their attributes are wildly different, right? Wildly different, and that's the way to look at this. So I'm not surprised, I should say, that they're they're top 10, but it's a nice development from the previous couple of seasons when they've really struggled to run the ball. Let's move on. Around the league, this is a segment we do every week where you take a little bit of time and analyze what's going on in the rest of the NFL, sometimes from a heavy Chiefs prism, sometimes not. Today, let's take a look at coaching. So there was a play in the big Baltimore-Buffalo game. Did you see any of that game? Yeah, I did. Kind of a sloppy game for such you know, talented teams, high-powered offenses, kind of a sloppy game. But there was a play at the end of this game. John Harbaugh made a decision and the anti-analytics crowd is having a field day with it, but I think it was the right decision. So here's the situation. I think there was something like four minutes left. It was fourth and two, fourth and goal from the two, mm-hmm. two yard line. Right. And the score is tied up 2020. Uh, Baltimore has the ball. So he decides to go for it. And Lamar Jackson has a wide open man, has De- uh, David Duvernay wide, or wide open, right? And, but he throws a pick. He waits too long, yeah. kind of chokes, forces it, throws a very costly pick. And I don't think you can blame John Harbaugh for that execution. If you want to cherry pick the results, you can, but let's look more at the process. And the process is this. If Baltimore scores there, scores a touchdown, the Bills only have a 16% chance of winning that ball game. But if they kick a field goal, the Bills have a 41% chance, which is nearly a coin flip. Yeah. That that's a big that's a big delta between those two numbers. And I I think I, I see why he did it. I appreciate coaches who aggressively try to win instead of just trying to, you know timidly trying to eke out uh you know a a three-point win or just barely winning what do you what do you think about this whole controversy i think it was the right call the right decision not even a horrible play call it was lamar jackson he messed it up it's same reason why we'd probably be having a different conversation last season when when the chargers game the tight end knocked himself out on a ball that should have been caught uh parnum right Correct. If he catches that ball, we're probably saying, wow, what a great play call. But because he didn't catch it, he ended up concussing himself when he felt when he came down. And then you're saying, oh, what was he doing going for it? Well, it was the right decision, right play call. 
just didn't go their way. I always say it's a little different in the NFL compared, compared to baseball. In, in baseball, it's 162 games. A lot of times the process will eventually work itself out. In a 17-game season, fans, teams, you're just based on the outcomes. The process matters in the NFL, but you have to be right, and you have a lot less wiggle room. And that's what makes it so difficult. In 2020, or 2020 vision, right, looking back on this, the smart decision would have been to kick a field goal. But I truly believe the process was the right move. I think you play for the win in that decision. It's the Bills on the other end. Uh, I always like the line from the longest yard. We're convicts. We always go for it. I'm not a convict, but I like to always go for it. Because at the end of the day, what do you have to lose? You know, it, it is a game. You're going Your up job. against the Bills. Yeah, but Harbaugh's reputation, millions of dollars. He's, he's, he's not in any sort of potential of losing his job. Do you trust Lamar Jackson, the guy you're hoping to build around in the future, is having an MVP caliber season? Or do you trust your defense trying to stop Josh Allen? You got to trust Lamar Jackson in that situation. I, I, I just, they do opinion, have maybe the greatest kicker of all time in Justin Tucker. Sure. If you don't get it, an interception happens there probably two times out of a hundred. And even if you don't convert, if you throw an incomplete pass, you put Josh Allen on the two yard line, which is a very uncomfortable place to be. And I think one of the problems the media has with analytics is we don't hear about all the times it goes right. We hear they cherry pick you know, the Phil Simses of the world, they cherry pick the one time it goes wrong every week and obsess over it. And that's what fans hear. And on, but again, on that, that, that's my, that's my baseball comparison. Why it's so effective in baseball and why it makes more of a difference to me. You have 162 games. Realistically, it's more forgiving, have, right? It's more forgiving. You'll have the long-term outlook or at least a longer t- term outlook in the NFL. You don't have that. If it goes wrong once or two times, you know, one time, two times, you're done. It's only 17 games. Good luck bouncing back. But why are we criticizing coaches like Harbaugh and sometimes even Reed? Nobody is above a little scrutiny, right? But (laughs) there are plenty of non-sharp coaches that deserve way more criticism. Matt Rule in Carolina is one of the worst coaches I've ever seen. He's got a stacked (laughs) offense with Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, and he has no clue how to operate in the NFL. And then you have you have Matt Eberflus, the new coach of the Chicago Bears. Through four weeks, they have 34 completions. Justin Fields has 34 pass completions. That's what kind of football is that? Is that like the 1930 Bears? Cooper then, Cup, I believe, has 42 receptions. So that means he has more receptions than Justin Fields has completions. By like 25% or something. I don't know. My math might be a little bit off, but it's close. And then a couple more guys to talk about. Arthur Smith and Nathaniel Hackett, two recent hires in Atlanta and Denver, respectfully, have made embarrassingly cowardly special teams choices that cost their teams wins. Arthur Smith punted when I just thought I pulled my hair out watching Red Zone, watching that, and let the Saints beat him. And then... We already touched on this a few weeks ago, but that, that, what was it? A 64 yard field goal that he tried uh, instead of letting Russ, uh, Russell Wilson go for it to pick up 
In fairness, after seeing Russell Wilson play the the rest of the season so far, uh, yeah, you might even trust the 64-yarder over Russell Wilson at this point. <laughs> I think Russell Wilson, this might be a controversial take, but I thought he looked better this week. No, he did. They, they let him... They let him run the ball a little bit more, improvise a little bit more, and I think that makes him more comfortable. Uh, I still think Denver's pretty bad. They lost to the 0-3 Raiders, who uh, I think they're pretty bad. We'll see Monday night, but I think they're pretty bad. Anyway, uh, I just feel blessed that we have Andy Reid, and I, I know sometimes he does some things that we don't like or he has – some stubborn tendencies that frustrate us, but I think we should be counting our lucky stars that Clark Hunt hired this man out of a long, long list of potential candidates that would have taken a job to play uh, for a storied franchise with one of the best fan bases in sports. Uh, I will also say Matt Rule is going to be the first coach fired. If I could put money on that, I would. Matt Rule is horrendous. Uh, Because he won games at Temple and at Baylor, folks think he's this incredible mind. He's not. College (laughs) and the NFL are so much different. That dude got a very large contract. And if he can't win with Baker, with everything he's got going on there, if he can't even show any sort of progress, I mean, dude has to be gone. Last week he played Cliff Kingsbury. And I thought it was... You know, if the NFL really wanted to have some fun, they would have made that like what they do in wrestling, a loser leaves town match. Whoever lost that game has to be, you know, gets kicked out of coaching. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is another example of that who looked great in college. I mean, maybe because he had a certain somebody at at quarterback, you think? Dog, they couldn't go to a bowl game with Mahomes. How the hell was he going to be good in the NFL? Uh, And now he has Kyler Murray. And they've won two games because Kyler Murray – despite his faults is an enormously talented quarterback who keeps making magic happen and bailing him out. But he is also a horrific coach that is way in over his head. And again, I just feel lucky. Let's go to spot the fake guys. Please don't post in the, in the chat, what the actual one is correct because uh, then I can see it and I'm not trying to cheat right now. I can put my hand over it, I guess. But this is called Spot the Fake, where uh, Adam shows how nerdy he is and how much I know nothing about any sort of basically Marvel movies, action movies, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Game of Thrones, any of any of that nonsense. Hey, I love that nonsense. Uh, but this week we are doing the MCU. Which of the following is not not an upcoming Marvel movie? Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Eternals 3, The Star Fox Saga, or Avengers, The Kang Dynasty. Okay, Black Panther, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure they're doing another one. Um, I've never heard of Eternals 3. Uh, I'm assuming one and two must have been very good. Uh, Avengers, I know, is a thing. I know the Avengers are at least a real entity. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. That sounds fake. Uh, Fun fact, I know Paul Rudd's mom. Um, 
my mom's friend with Paul Rudd's mom. So first off, thanks, mom, for not making me best friends with Paul Rudd. How dare you? Come on. What are you doing, mom? Seriously. Come on. I've not heard of any of these things. I've heard of the Wakanda forever, I think. Um, I'm going to go with Ant-Man and the Wasp. I feel like I would have heard something with Paul Rudd in it. That's wrong. He's actually already done a movie with the Wasp in the title. Fuck. Evangeline Lilly plays the Wasp, and this is going to be the third installment in that series. Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, is they've scheduled the fifth and sixth Avengers movies. That is one of them. And Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, is the movie that's coming out later this year. Uh, Unfortunately, we lost Chadwick Boseman, who's just a hero to all. And they didn't recast him, but they found a way to make Black Panther work. The one that is not is Eternals 3, the Star Fox saga. See, they, I even said I've never even yeah, heard you, of this you, thing. You, you did. Gosh, go did. God. I think they cast, I think Harry Styles at the end of the first Eternals movie, which is not very good and didn't do very well. He shows up as Star Fox, this character that's also known as Eros. It's confusing. But I, is that I the same thing in Super Smash Bros? Because I remember that game. Super Smash Bros was awesome for GameCube and I, N64. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not like a super big video game nerd. That is one of my nerd blind spots, especially especially as I've gotten older. So you lost again, and now you're two and two. I'm ass at this. Okay, I don't know these things. <laughs> two scoops. Two scoops. Two scoops. I don't know these things. I apologize. Well, I was making them too easy, and now I'm kind of thinking, damn, now you're am in I your making groove. them, am now I making you're them in too your hard? Groove, dude. No, I've you got this is perfect. I've got to bring it down for you a little bit. Wait, Let's go to the parting shot. Come on. I'll Let's go to the parting shot and get you guys out of here. This week, we send you out with a quote that will make you feel good about Mahomes Phase 2. You never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. And that's from, this is an all-time name, Buck Minster Fuller, who is a, I guess, best described as a famous architect and affable weirdo. Uh, I think we're embracing, we were very scared about it coming into the season, but we're embracing a bold new direction for the Chiefs. And I think it's super exciting uh, to see where they go next, to venture into uncharted territory. And I'm glad to be here sharing the experience with you guys. But until next hump day, I'm Adam Best. This is Sterling Holmes. Go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.